just wanna be with you. Just wanna be with you.
with you. Just wanna be with you. that's about to go forth we thank you for the opportunity to worship you today god we ask that you speak your servants listen speak to our hearts speak to our minds not those things that we want god but those things that we need help us to grow challenge us to grow how you're calling us to grow give us a word of encouragement today to help us god to be able to make it through this week we give you praise and we give you thanks ask for your blessings in the name of jesus we pray amen can you guys give god a hand clap of praise hallelujah Hallelujah. To all of you who are guests, you are now family. And so we welcome your family. Guys, can we give a hand clap and welcome our family as well as those who watch online? We, for those of you who are going with Terry, Terry's on the way down uh, with the youth. Um, they're enjoying all the gifts. Thank you all for your generosity. They're enjoying their new television. Um, they're able to see things and see the lessons and things God is blessing and uh, we're growing and we're so grateful for the, the facets that he's blessing us in. Well, amen. Uh, grateful that Michigan didn't give us rain. It just gave us clouds and I can deal with clouds because many clouds means little heat. So I, I can deal with that today. Aren't you just grateful and glad to be here? We're thankful to welcome back our newest married couples, Zach and Shania Cook. How about that? Fresh off of a honeymoon, and we're so glad and so proud of you guys. Robin said, you know, they were watching, uh, they were watching the service on, on their honeymoon. They were, they were out watching while we were having service. I said, wow, I don't know if I'd do that, but uh, I'm so grateful that they are. And we're so grateful for them and all of you, our father's children. For those of you who are watching online, wherever you are, some that are sick and cannot make it, we're so grateful uh, for the opportunity for you to be with us today. I will not be long today because there lo there's lots of fun to be had. But nevertheless, there is a word for the Lord. You guys ready for the word? Amen. We're ready. We're in our, that's okay. You can clap. I like that. I'm excited about the word. Uh, we are in our series, Picking Up the Pieces from the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is a very central figure in the Bible. He is one of the people who helped to build back 
the walls of Jerusalem after they had been put in exile. Uh, and we have been studying the life of Nehemiah as he's trying to pick up the pieces in Jerusalem, which is very important and very pertinent. Why is that relevant to my life today? Because you might not be building a wall today, but you might be rebuilding a broken life or a broken marriage, or a broken relationship. And just the, just the same way that Nehemiah helped rebuild the wall and God gave him the strength, God wants to help you to be able to rebuild some things today. So we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2, starting at verse 9 through 20. If you'd like to, it's our custom to stand for the reading of the word. If you don't want to stand, you don't have to stand. You can say, sit where you are. If you want to uh, stand, you're welcome to. We like to read together. So we're going to read this, and then we'll get into the sermon for today. What does it say? Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave me officers of the army and the horsemen. But Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servants heard this. It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night and a few men with me, and I told no one of what God, of what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. This was so, and no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and during the gate, and I expected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animals that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by valley and expected the wall. And I turned and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat and the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite and servant of Geshem and the, the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is the thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. And from that scripture, other related scriptures in aid of the Holy Spirit, I want you to help me to preach today. If you like it, you can. Everybody say, rise and build. You may be seated in the presence of God. God, speak your servants, listen, and we'll give you the praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Nehemiah is beginning to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We saw for the previous two sermons that Nehemiah um, had his heart pricked because he realized that although he had never been to Jerusalem, he was an Israelite and that the walls of Jerusalem, although exiles had left uh, Babylon or in Assyria over years, they had come back 
but they were not able to rebuild the walls. In other words, that they had come back, but they were in a shabby and a bad shape. And Nehemiah took it upon himself to risk his life, to be sad before the king, so that he could come in and be able to rebuild the walls. And the king talked to him and said, what do you want me to do? And Nehemiah had a purpose, and Nehemiah had a plan. And remember last week, we talked about Nehemiah beginning to pray before he say, everybody say, pray before you say. It's important. You don't have to use big, long soliloquies and big words, but it's important to be able to reach out to God in prayer before you make any major decision in your life. And we see that Nehemiah is on his way back to Jerusalem to build back the walls. He is he's on his way back to Jerusalem to restore those things that have been broken. He is on a path to reconstruction. Pastor Howe is a, a, a thousands year old study uh, relevant to me because no matter who you are, something in your life is broken. No matter who you are, something in your life could use a little rebuilding. Somebody For somebody, it could be that the love you had like Zach and Shania, see, they're new and they're newlyweds and they're, they're completely in and love with each other. They haven't had enough time to get on each other's nerves at all or to do anything at all. But some people have marriages that, let's be honest, they're struggling and they're on the rocks and they want to they wanna do what's right, but they have been battle-torn and they said some things to each other and offended one another and hurt one another. And sometimes it's hard to be tender to somebody who's cut you. It's hard to be tender to somebody who's been antagonistic towards you and you really want your marriage to work, but what you're crying out for is help because I don't know how to rebuild. Some of us have relationships that we've lost and opportunities that we've lost or things in our life that have left us in a less than desirable state and we're asking God, God, can you help me out of this? Has there anybody ever been in the building that you've been so low, you, you had no choice but to pray because every other option you tried had busted up, everything that you tried to do had failed, everything you used your wisdom and your cunning and your charisma for, wisdom wouldn't help you, charisma couldn't help you, cunning couldn't help you. Social status couldn't help you. Money couldn't help you. Education couldn't help you. I've come to tell you that you can have more degrees than a thermometer, but none of that will change your life unless you are connected to Jesus Christ, unless you are connected to God, unless you are connected to where God can give you direction for your life. I like how the word of God puts it. It says that your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my path. What does that mean? That means that when I'm going along in the world and I don't know what the next thing holds, I have a light of that's called the word of God that can shine in my life and give me direction. Because no matter how much experience you have, you are not experienced enough for tomorrow because you have never faced tomorrow. You may have lived 50 years. You may have lived 60 or 70 years. You may be an expert at how to live life up to now, but what tomorrow brings, you are a novice. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what challenges that are held for you tomorrow. And if you don't have a solid foundation, if you don't have a solid center in Christ, you will find yourself rocking and reeling. And he is trying to put his life back together again. Nehemiah is trying 
to put Israel back together again. He's trying to build a wall back so that they can have protection. He's trying to restore what has been broken. He's trying to restore what has been broken down in his life. But needless to say, every time you try to do something positive, there will be challenges. There will be things in your life that try to inhibit your progress. I'm sorry to tell you, I would love to stand up on this pulpit or this stage and be able to tell you that every time you got ready to do something, it just happened just like that, Brother Dave, that I decided I had an idea in my head. I was going to build back my life. We've had years of fighting in our marriages, and I could just walk in the door, say I'm sorry, and everything was put back together just like that. But anybody who has been married more than five minutes knows it doesn't quite work like that does it <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way I'm sorry is a good starting place but it's not a good finishing place the best apology that you can give to anybody is a changed life and changed behavior and sometimes it takes time to build back things but you have to remember that while you're building they didn't put these points on the screen I wish I had given given them to them but I have three quick points that I want you to remember that you need to know when you're building back the facets of your life I want you to repeat them after me remember everybody in your space is not on your side. <laughs> I say that again so we can cognitively get that. Remember, everybody in your space is not on your side. The word of God says in verse 10, it said, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, servants heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of Israel. I have a thought for you today that you need to get this in order to get your life together because you need to be careful of certain pitfalls and traps that can inhibit your growth. One of the most important things that we must master in our road to rebuilding is recognizing unhealthy people who are benefiting from our dysfunction. I say that again. One of the most important things to building in our life is recognizing unhealthy people who are benefiting from our dysfunction. What do you mean, Pastor? Sometimes you might be all right and that person might be all right. Victor and I and Leith had a good talk while we were going to the cider mill and, and he was talking about negative influences and some people he had to let out of his life. And I said, you know what, Victor? If you take ammonia by itself, it serves a good a purpose, Brother Day. If you take Bleach by itself, it serves a good purpose. But if you put them together, then they become a toxic su a substance. Sometimes in life, some people are fine, but you know when you get together, they're detrimental to your growth. You're better apart than you are together. Why can't I get my marriage together? Because you like Jerry, and Jerry likes to party all day and hunt every day and hang out and spend no family time. And you and Jerry are having a good time, but your wife and your kids are lonely. They're out of the play, out of the way. And though although Jerry's a good guy, Jerry's gonna make you lose your marriage. Because Jerry's single and you're not. And there's nothing wrong with being single. But Jerry has different priorities. And Jerry doesn't want you to be happy. Why? Because Jerry's alone. And I've come to tell you, this is not meant to be negative, but it's meant to be true. Do you not know that some people cannot be happy, Brother Dave, unless you are sad? 
Some people can't feel like they're winning unless you are losing. Why is Maury Povich still playing and he was on when I was a teenager? I'm not telling you how old I am, but Maury's been around a long time. Jerry Springer's been around a long time. Why? Because it makes us happy when we see somebody else's life that is worse than ours. Why do we cling to our favorite news channel? Why? Because as long as we look at the dysfunction in everybody else's life, it tends to make us feel better about ours. And sometimes we have people that are attached to us and they cannot feel like they're winning unless you are losing. It's hard to believe that these type of people exist in the world. They're not always villainous either. Many times we think that everybody's a villain, but every time people do this, they're not necessarily a villain. Sometimes they're sometimes close associates. Sometimes they're friends. Sometimes they're families. And they would mean you good, but they are overcome with their own insecurity. And because they are insecure about where they are in life, every time you try to progress, they pull you back into to their comfort zone. <laughs> I, I think I'll show up and do something different and I, I'll show up at church. I think I may change my life and I may come again if the preacher's not too long-winded. But, but we like to wash our cars and do our boats on Sunday. Nothing wrong with cars and boats. I like cars and boats, but they're in their comfort zone and they get upset when you pull out of your comfort zone and get into yours. I remember a picture. It was a cartoon, and it was a cartoon of a butterfly. And it was a and next to the butterfly, who was sitting at the table, was, was a, a caterpillar. And that caterpillar was looking at the butterfly, and he looked at him as they were sipping their tea. And he said, "You know what? I have a problem with you." The butterfly said, "What's the problem?" He says, "You've changed." <laughs> the butterfly looked back at him and said, "We're supposed to." We're supposed to change. We're supposed to get better. We're supposed to evolve. We're supposed to be a better version of ourselves that God is calling us to be. We're not supposed to remain the same. But many people cannot handle you when you get ready to change. If you want to lose friends, I've got two words for you. Better yourself. If you want to lose friends, try to do things positive. You won't lose all of your friends, but you will find out that your progression may make some people uncomfortable. And since they can't find their way up, their only solace is if you are both down together. They discourage you from getting a degree. They discourage you from praying. They discourage you from reading your Bible. You'll notice them because they are quick to go to every event. But if you say, hey, I want to come to church, they're always busy. <laughs> Why? Because they're comfortable in what they are and they will hinder you from growing. But you won't be happy until mine life is falling apart for you. But I've come to speak to those people today because what you have to say to those people is that I love you. But unfortunately, I have bad news for you that with or without you, I'm going to get my life together with or without you. I'm going to survive my situation with or without you. My marriage will prosper with or without you. I'm going to get my life together. You can stay mad, but I can't stay here. 
God wants you. He's trying to move you into a better life of purpose. But you cannot be mad. You cannot be better staying around with people who are bitter. Have you ever been for the married couples? Have you ever had to try to do a double date with a couple that always is fighting? They're always bickering. You ever done that, brother? Day you try to try to do a, uh, do something and you're like, man, they are so unhappy and they're always bitter and bickering. And you know what? After a while, we start to say we can't hang around you because if I hang around you, we're gonna start bickering over little unnecessary stuff. And so next time they call, all of a sudden they don't get you on the phone. It's a delayed response. Why? Because misery loves company. Misery loves company. We can't have a happy marriage, so we want you to hang out. I want to complain about my husband all day so you can start complaining about your I want to complain about your wife, uh, so, so you, about my wife so you can complain about your I'm sorry that you decided that you're going to be miserable for the next 50 years, but if I'm going to have my next years, my next years need to be my best years, and I want my wife and us, to myself, to have a wonderful time so you can stay mad, but I can can't stay here. I've got to keep moving forward. I've got to get myself together. I've got to surround myself with healthier people, with healthier perspectives and healthier mindsets. I've got to surround myself with people that I know that the quickest way to get your family together is to get into a good Bible-based church, to get a good community of believers around you that you can live life together and disciple together. But this is what most people want to do. They want to stay in the situation they're in. Zach, do you know most people really don't want to change? Can you believe that they come and they talk to the pastor about all their problems and they say, I really want to do better. And you listen with a listening ear and a loving heart. And Brother Dave, they're waiting and they're waiting for advice. And when you give them advice, they look at it and they say, thank you, brother. I'm so glad you did that. And then three weeks later, guess what happens, Brother Dave? They show back up and they, they're still in the same situation. And when you ask this one question, did you do what I told you to do? Well, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> you don't understand. I would be nice, but they do this to me. You don't understand, but I, I would go here, but I just, I'm too busy. You would understand, but I would do this. And I said, that's okay. That's great. That's fine. But here's the thing. You cannot change what you will not face. The journey to a thousand miles starts with the first step. And if you are trying to get your life together, just know you are going to have some people in your life that you're not going to be their favorite person. And you have to be okay with that because change is uncomfortable. Change is challenging. I, I, I commend each one that comes every week and sits in these seats in one place or another. You know why? Because I'm not the kind of guy that gives you sugar all the time. I give you the truth. And sometimes change makes you what? Uncomfortable. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth and make you stay where you are. And if anybody, why are they mad at Nehemiah, Brother Day? Because they realize that if anybody can build back the wall, Nehemiah can. 
Because Nehemiah has the ear of the king. Nehemiah has the resources. Nehemiah has the team to do it. Could I submit to you that it, some people don't like you, not necessarily because of you, but because of the anointing and the ability that God's placed in you. And they can see the hand of God on your life and your ability. And they're upset because they know if you put your hands to do it, they're going to do it. And you succeeding means they have to fail. See, the reason Sanballat and Tobiah are upset, most people don't know this, but they are governors of those provinces. And because they are governors of those provinces, they benefit from Israel being weak. They benefit from Israel not having a wall. They get to run the province. And if Israel decides that they no longer want to be weak, if Israel decides that they want to get their walls put together, they, they, they're going to have a problem. And they need to make sure that Israel cannot fortify itself. Some people don't want you to be happy. Why don't they want you to be happy? Because they'll have a party of one for their pity party. And nobody likes to have a party by themselves. Then Nehemiah right now is surrounded by people that don't have vision or the motivation to build the wall and do what God is calling them to rebuild. But this is what I want to tell you. That's why when you're getting ready to change your life, sometimes the best strategy is silence. The best strategy is silence. Let's look at verse 12, Brother Day. What does verse 12 say? It says, then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. Sometimes you don't need to announce to everybody what God has placed in your heart. If you're happy in your marriage, don't put it on Facebook. Facebook doesn't need to see you happy. You know why? Because people, there are some people on Facebook or Twitter or wherever they are. Don't you know some of those people, I hate to say it. Have you ever met a miserable person on social media? You haven't done that, have you? Somebody that's miserable and they can't stand to see anybody else's life happy. And while you are putting up how wonderful your life is, they are steadily plotting how to disrupt what's going on in your life. Some things you need to move in silence. Everybody say move in silence. Sometimes when God is blessing you, I know you're excited, but take a lesson for jo from Joseph. From the, for those of you who have completed, uh, completed the Genesis, we've gone from 1 through 50 of the chapters of Genesis and just completed it. If you learn anything in this last section, if anything Joseph could tell you, sometimes it's best to keep your dreams to yourself. Sometimes when you're happy, you don't have to announce it. Sometimes when things are going well in your life, you don't have to pronounce it. He decides that before I let everybody go and know what's going on, I am going to keep these things to myself. Sometimes it's better to keep things between you and God. Why? Because the people, only the people available to talk are those who can't see vision and won't benefit from your betterment. Sometimes you're talking to somebody and you think they're encouraging you. They're not mad at you, but the truth of the matter is they're miserable about their situation. And so they can't be happy while you're planning yours and they're going to give you bad advice. Don't go to somebody for marriage advice who's been divorced three times. Don't go to somebody for money advice who, who has had bankruptcy four or five or six times. 
They may be better, but I'm going to try somebody who got it right a few times less than that. Why? Because if you couldn't figure it out that many times, chances are you might not have changed because there's a difference between 15 years experience and one year's experience 15 times. If you don't learn from your mistakes, well, we've been married 20 years. Yes, you have. But you're still doing the same things in year 20 that you did in year one. God wants you to have a blessed marriage. God wants you to have a happy life. He wants you to grow. He wants you to evolve. He wants you to learn how to be more gentle. He wants you to be more listening. He wants this one to be more understanding that I don't want to have 20 years. I've been married almost 20 years, and I do not want to have one year of experience 20 times. But what I do want to do is take the lessons and extrapolate the things that I've learned from my successes and my failures and make my next years be my best years. Somebody say, I want my next year's hallelujah to be my best years I want to build on what I've learned sometimes you have to realize that the road to rebuilding is a lonely road not everybody will be able to go with you on those roads and we're 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 people that like to to have people around us all of us are social people even if we're we're a little bit uh, recluse we we like some kind of connection in some kind of way the bible says it's not good that man be alone you were created to function to connect with somebody on some level we like that but sometimes you can't see the vision god has for your life because there are too many voices in your ear Every time God gives you something to do, you're asking opinions of everybody who's never been where you've been before. You might love mom. You might love dad. You might love brother or sister, but you're trying to start a business and neither one of them have ever started a business. And you know what they're going to tell you? Don't go out on that pipe dream. You need to get a solid nine to five job because that's what people do. No, that's what you do. But if God has placed it on my heart, I need to go find somebody who's been successful in it and learn from those people so that that I can do what God is calling me to do. Most times people are trying to advise you how to live their life and not your life. And you have to be able to determine the difference. And this is the thing we need to learn. Point two is that we have to be real before we can rise. If we read Nehemiah chapter 13 through uh, verse 13 through 16, we will see that Nehemiah, before he does anything, before he talks to anybody, Lamarck, he goes around the city and he makes an assessment of the damage. He looks and he sees what's going wrong. Sometimes if you want to fix a relationship, you need to sometimes look and make an assessment of the damage. They put it up there. Let's read it together. What does it say? We have to be real before we can rise. Some people don't fix marriages and relationships because they are too proud to admit they have a problem. There's nothing wrong with having a problem. Everybody has problems. But there is something wrong with pretending that you don't. You cannot remember this. You cannot fix what you will not You cannot fix it. I'm a financial advisor by trade. I've, I've come to tell you, you can get as many credit cards as the cow till the cows come home. But until you sit down and do a budget and learn to live on less than what you make, all you're doing is build, building bigger debt until you run to the end of your credit line. You've got to at some point in time say, I have a problem. 
And I can't fix it with Amex. I can't fix it with Visa. I can't fix it with Discover. What I need to do is discover a budget and discover discipline and discover a plan. And I have to admit that I have a problem. I have a situation that I need to honestly assess. Do we ever really, uh, sister, honestly assess ourselves? And say, you know what? Maybe the reason that things aren't going right isn't the other person. Maybe I have some culpability in it, too. We don't do that. It's always Liz whose fault, isn't it, Austin? Don't shake your head. Yes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't ever do it. <laughs> don't do it. He's a smart man. He quickly said, oh. <laughs> Why? Because we have to be honest, and you have to have time to properly assess without outside influence and perspectives what is going on. Sometimes, before you go to counseling, counseling is good. I love when people come to me for counseling or go to professionals for counseling. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to get by yourself and be honest with yourself. The road to rebuilding starts through the pathway of honesty. Some people hop right in and out of relationships, right into another, and it's difficult to make a good assessment because they have a plethora of participants in their life. If you hop right out of one bad relationship, right into another relationship, you never fix what caused the last relationship bad. Do you not know that people who remarry after divorce are twice as likely to divorce uh, uh, the second time, and those who were married the third time are quadrupled that to divorce? You know why? Because hopping from situations doesn't fix it because you are you everywhere you go. I don't like this state, Zach. There's more opportunity in Texas. I'm moving to Texas. But when you get to Texas, you're not happy. You know why? Because you are you everywhere you go. <laughs> you can change your geographical location, but you have to change your mental, your spiritual, your psychological. You have to change from the inside out. You have to be honest with yourself. Nehemiah put together a realistic plan as he properly assessed the situation, Brother Dave. He didn't look at $60,000 worth of student loan debt and say, I'm going to be out of debt tomorrow. No, you are not. <laughs> but if you begin to plan and put the plan together, uh, unless they decide to wipe out all student loan debt, which I very highly likely think that's not going to happen, you might have to make a plan, and it might not be as as, as nice or it might not look as, as appealing as you like, but this is the thing. Start with the first step. You might have relationship problems. You might not be holding hands when you leave this service, but start saying kind things to one another. You might not be able to take back some of the things that you said, but make sure that the next things you say are better. Be realistic with where you are. Guys, don't, don't say rough stuff to your wife and then come home and act like everything's okay. Guys can do that. Brother Dave and I could argue to the cows, come home, and we'll go, go just like nothing happened and show up like nothing's there. That doesn't work with wives, does it, Brother Dave? Sister Phyllis doesn't take that, does she? We try to walk in and say, well, what's wrong with you? You know what's wrong with her. <laughs> and I can't just pretend like we can just make this all go away. We have to do the work. Everybody say, do the work. 
We have to make an assessment and do the work. It was Nehemiah's job to present a clear vision, and it was the people's job to follow. After he had gotten away from those negative people, after he had gotten by himself and put together a plan and formulated a plan, then he decided to go to the people. And when he went to the people, he said, come, let us rise and build the walls of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be, the old King James says, in reproach. And I... And in our vernacular, we would say derision or shame. We're not going to stay in this shameful state. I've come to give you hope that today you might not be in the state that you want to be, but you don't have to stay in that state any longer. You can rise and build. Come, let's rise and build our relationships. Come, let's rise and build our marriage. Come, let's rise and build our families. We don't have to stay here any longer. If we rise and build our last and third and final point, I don't know if they got that up there. They're working really fast back there. They did. Let's let's read that together. What does it say? Don't let your detractors determine or dictate your destiny. Don't let negative people determine how high you rise. Don't let people who can't accomplish Project that on you. If God's got ministry for your life, don't let people who never have been able to do it tell you that you can't. Well, I couldn't do it, but my name's not I. My name is Willie. <laughs> and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I've sought the purpose and the plan of God for my life, my purpose may never be to be a millionaire. My purpose may never be to have a whole bunch of cars and houses. Guess what? I can't drive but one car at a time, so I'm not really concerned about that. But what I do want to do is when they lay me out across whatever stage they lay me out, and I have friends that come and look down on me, and I'll no longer see, be seen, I'll be viewed. I wanted to be said of me that he did everything he could for God and his family while he lived. He gave his best. Best. Yes. Amen. Sam Ballard and Tobias, they used manipulation and intimidation and psychological warfare to stop the plan of God. Much like today, they try to talk him down. Yeah. People have said stuff like this. Has anybody ever told you, you know where you come from? You know what side of the tracks you come from? You're just going to be like your dad. You're just going to be like your mom. Your parents' relationship didn't work out. Your relationship's not going to work out. Your, your, your brother's crazy. You're going to be crazy. Your sister's crazy. You're going to be crazy. Your family's crazy. You're going to be crazy. Your family never had anything. You'll never have anything. You'll never rise beyond our expectations. But I, you'll never recover from this. <clears throat> But for those who are struggling today with those things, who are struggling with guilt and fear and regret and disappointment, I say these three words to you, rise and build. Hallelujah. For those who are picking up the pieces today, I say to you, rise and build. For those who are dealing with broken marriages, I say to you, uh, rise and build. Sometimes our marriages aren't broken, but they're mediocre and they're lukewarm. And they can be way more passionate and loving than they are right now. If that's to you today, I encourage you today to rise and build. For those who are picking up the pieces after incarceration or other tragedies in your life, I say to you, rise and build. For 
those of you who are recovering from abuse that you've never revealed to anybody. And it affects how you deal with people. It affects how you deal with your spouse. And you've never told a soul, but on the inside, your walls are broken and torn down. I encourage you today to rise and build. Nehemiah finishes with this, and I will finish with this today. I like how he responds, Brother Dave, to Sanballat and Tobiah and his detractors. He doesn't say, I can do it. He doesn't say, I have the ability. He doesn't say, I have the capability. But he says this, verse 20 says, Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosperous. And we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no right or portion or claim in Jerusalem. You know what he's saying? God has all the say-so over my life, and you don't have any. God has all the say-so over my success, and you have none. The Bible says, fear not him who can destroy the body, but him who can throw both body and soul into eternal torment. In other words, don't let people exercise power over you that they do not have. All power and an ultimate authority belongs to God himself. It is in him that we live, that we move and have our being. When, I leave, when you leave here today, I want three words to ring out in your soul. Rise and build. Because sometimes your enemies aren't without, they're within. When you leave here, your mind's going to tell you that was a good sermon, but that wasn't for you. You can't do that. I need you to respond to your mind. You can talk to yourself just as long as you don't answer yourself. And, and say, rise and build. But you made too many mistakes. That's fine. That means I'm human. I'm going to rise and build what God has called me to do in my life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the word that you've given. Your words of encouragement that let us know that we can put back all the pieces of our life that may be broken. Every part of us that has been dejected and downcast, God, you can raise us up, Lord God, not for our glory, but for your glory. And I pray that this word that has been given will speak and ring in the hearts of every man and woman in this room this week to let them know that their next moves can be their best moves, that they can win with you. Not how they count winning, but how you count winning. Have your way and your purpose in our life, and we'll give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise as Brother Dave comes.